Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 37 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson. The lead pastor at the Porch Community Church. As always, I'm here with my friend, media pastor Joshua Harrell. Hello, sir. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It is going. It is going. Yeah. It's going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 happening. Life is life is happening all around us. Yes. And um, yeah, today's kind of a kind of a a, a tough. It things are hard right now. Yeah. They're really difficult. I mean, yeah. I just. All the COVID numbers are just really overwhelming and balancing that as the church and how we respond and how we offer what we offer and how do we do it in a way that's that's safe and all that. And then just, you know, uh, just people and friends and ministry partners who are, who are in need of a lot of prayer and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean the the extra added weight of COVID that it's putting on. I mean I feel it, so I I couldn't imagine that the weight as a lead pastor that it's added to how you, how you navigate this for mm-hmm. our church and how you shepherd us through it. Mm. And you're getting pulled <laughs> in both directions of you're not going far enough, you're going too far, and you're just like I'm just trying to do what yeah. Jesus wants. Yeah, and I couldn't imagine the weight that that puts you on. Yeah, you. and then on top of that. Just the regular, Just the regular pastoral stuff that yeah. happens. That um, because of COVID, we've kind of put on a back seat for eighteen months. Mm-hmm. But now, now this year, you're getting both. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it does make it hard, like uh, you know, being able to, you know, go up to the hospital and visit with people, or be there with people, or, or go and be with them before surgery or whatever. And and you know, you can't, or you can't, you know that it. All those restrictions are really kind of frustrating sometimes. So don't mean to be a bummer, but yeah, it's well, just kind of. I, I was talking to so, I was talking to someone, and mm-hmm. they were saying 2021, since school started, is actually harder than 2020 for yeah, them. Yeah, I believe it because believe they were it. so looking forward to back to normal, <laughs> and now they're. No such thing. It's like almost like normal is being forced, mm-hmm. but then also COVID is being forced. So like they're trying to make the two coexist, and it's just breaking them yeah yeah and i'm sure that there are i say i'm sure i don't know i could be so off uh, a part of me thinks like um and it's interesting i'm going to say the word psychologically because we're actually going to kind of wade into those waters today but like psychologically i understand why people would say hey let's let's return let's let's develop a let's go back to a routine a semblance of of kind of how things were and i get that i totally do um i'm a i'm a routine person uh i i I like to know how things are and all that kind of stuff and and everything but the reality of of what we're dealing with in the world um is you know, it's it, those those two things. It trying to make everything normal and mm-hmm. the reality of the COVID Delta variant, or just if it's yeah. just the regular, I don't even know. Are, they're going to collide continually, mm-hmm. and it's like almost like they're just constantly hitting up against each other. And you know, you see, you know, we've got two school districts here, and one is uh, moving. 
public school districts here. One is going in one direction and one's going in another and how they're handling it. Yeah. And then, oh, just all these things. And, uh, you know, I shared in a post, and I can't remember if I mentioned it last week in the podcast. I can't remember. But um, I shared um, a couple weeks ago in a video for the church about how we were going to be doing our services. You know, 930 is... Um, social distancing, we encourage masks, we'll provide masks, we have sanitizer, we're kind of you know, using those protocols, um, and that the 11 o'clock service is, you know, come, but we won't have the distancing, and if you, know, if you want to wear a mask, you, you may most certainly do so. But anyway, in sharing that, I, I, in the video, I shared that uh, my husband and I had COVID back in December. He had it in early December and then he gave it to me as a Christmas present. Um, and then, um, and he's actually trying to deny that he gave it to me because I (laughs) was symptomatic 15 days after he was symptomatic. He's like, well, you know, the timeline is 14 days. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like (laughs) whatever. Um, so, um, and then when we were both able, we both received the vaccine. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, just, we, we did, I wouldn't say we even did a lot of research. We, we read some, but it was really more of a, we think this is the right, the best decision for us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what yeah. we did. And, um, and, and, uh, I think my understanding is that SGMC is going to have a vaccination, you know, drive through clinic again this Saturday morning. Um, and I, if, you know, I encourage people, if you're on the fence, start reading up now and go get it. But you can go get the vaccine anywhere. But, I mean, all the numbers we're seeing of people that are, you know, testing positive for it currently mm-hmm. um, are just high. I mean, I would have loved these percentages, like, in school as a grade. Like, yeah. people are like, oh, well, only 98%. It's like, wouldn't you have loved a 98% in math? Like, I would have because uh, I suck yeah. at math. So. Yeah. Like, but all the percentages are people that have not been vaccinated yet. And so I'm not one to usually uh, get out and say, hey, do this or don't do that or whatever. Um, I'm not making this about anything other than I think there's a the a vaccination that's available to us that, yes, we don't know the long term. But um, right now it's it's it seems to be doing uh, what it needs to be doing. And so I, I would just ask, encourage you to check it out. Yeah, and everyone, all your full time staff at the church has been vaccinated. Well, yes, we've all been vaccinated. We all made that choice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a hey, everyone, you need to go get it now. I know when, when the hospital f- first started doing it, you and Justin were like, heck yeah, let me know when. Or no, it was when it was still reservations, but some people couldn't. It was oh. it was medical personnel only at the time. Correct. But that's right. People weren't showing up for their appointments. Or no, it was it was there was a. There was a time frame that the vaccine right, so they wouldn't show up for their appointments, and they'd have some that would like time. They were going to have to th- throw toss, out. yeah, yeah. And so we had a friend at the church that would let us know that there was, hey, if you can get here in twenty minutes, mm-hmm. we have one for you. And you and Justin jumped right on that. J- jumped right on it. I, yeah, we got vaccinated in like February. Yeah, I I think mine was March, maybe April. I can't remember now. Like we. Me and Justin were like. Super oh, I was early. April. Yeah, I had to wait like that ninety days. Anyway, so I, you say, how's it going? It, you know, it's going. Yeah, it's going. Yeah. Um, but I was I was sending a, a text to um, 
a, a good friend of mine this morning whose wife is dealing with other issues and uh, share with him Psalm 116 uh, verses 1 and 2. And it says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good prayer for all of us mm-hmm. uh, in, in whatever we're, we're experiencing and going through, um, good and bad, celebration yeah. and mourning, you know? Yeah. Well, in today's episode, we're going to cover uh, the eight trait series. Uh, we'll give a community groups update, and then we're going to talk about um, almost a taboo subject of mental illness and mm-hmm. how Christians and the church in general react to it. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, yeah. we've kind yeah. of been on this spot already. Why don't we just go ahead and jump into mm-hmm. mental illness and then we'll, when yeah. we, uh, finish that, we'll go into the eight traits sure. and community groups. Okay. But okay. I feel like we're kind of already there. So yeah, we are. We kind of brought the, the yeah. mood into this zone. So yeah, we're so here. Yeah. This, this is going to be, and I was telling you before we started recording, like this could be a uneasy listening experience. It's not going to mm-hmm. be. Like, talking about mental illness is never a passive list conversation. This is, this is heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think when, we t- when, when I talk about mental illness, either, or mental health, you know, you could use that, those yeah. terms almost interchangeably, uh, is I either think of myself or I think of someone I know or a loved one or, or mm-hmm. experience I had. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, here's, here's what I think of. And I, and, I will say this up front, probably a lot of the perspective that I'll share today is either from my own personal experience where I have, I have said from the stage, you know, on, on a few occasions, um, I have anxiety and depression. I take medication for it. I see a therapist. I see a psychiatrist occasionally to you know, check in a couple times a year, um, make sure the medication I take is good and those kinds of things. I have not shied away from that. I am not ashamed of that. Um, I am better uh, mentally because of that. Um, so I'll either speak from that perspective uh, in this uh, episode, or you might hear me speaking more from a pastoral position. And so, but I hope that listener, you'll you'll engage one way or the other. We'll all kind of ride this conversation together. And I might be speaking more from like uh, from the church's standpoint as far as the difficulties, but. Here we go. So, you know, my thought would be, okay, like, so from a pastoral standpoint, I think about this, like, how does someone, um, you know, let's say, okay, as a pastor, I get a call and it's like, hey, come to the ER because mom is there and, um, you know, she's got chest pains again and this is the fourth time and come on up and can you, you know, it's it's one o'clock in the morning, but we need you there right now. And... You know, how does someone, maybe the adult child of, of mama, um, say to the pastor, um, hey, you don't, you don't really need to come up because mama's got, this is a, this is an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, how do you express that to a pastor? Like, how do you say to, you know, maybe the, the student pastor, like, hey, I need your help because my daughter's coming home every day and she's making herself sick because of she's got body image issues. Like how do you how does a person address that? How do they go into that? How does someone share in their community group that they they don't have, you know, they can't pay their bills. They can't really even 
buy decent groceries because, you know, their husband's too depressed to get out of bed, and so he, he's not working. You know, like, right. how do you express that? Is it is there an avenue to express that? Like, mm-hmm. how are people going to respond? How do, how does someone tell, like, their account, accountability partner that they're struggling with thoughts of suicide? You know, is there an avenue for that? And when I say how do they, someone could go, well, you just do. But I think there's there's so much stigma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like you said, taboo. The It's kind of a, oh, do we really talk about this? Oh, do we really go there? And, you know, Christian community, Josh, it should be a safe space. It should be a safe place where people can can function like a spiritual family, Yeah. a, a functional, not a dysfunctional, but a, a functional, functional spiritual, spiritual family. family. But that's really difficult at times. I mean, and, and if if some of us listening are going, well, I know that's hard for my family, then you kind of go, well, I, I realize that it, it would also be difficult for a spiritual family as well. And it's not a small percentage of people who struggle with mental illness. This is not, it's not like an anomaly, you know. No. Um, it's, it's not a small percentage uh, of people who either struggle with mental illness or they have a loved one or you know, a, an immediate family member who struggles with mental illness. I mean, it is, the Centers for Disease Control, I was looking this up, uh, it reports that about a quarter of all American adults have a mental disorder of some sort. Right. And almost half will develop at least one during their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Half of American adults, it says, will develop some uh, a mental disorder of some sort at some, uh, at some point in their life, whether it's a short-term deal or it comes later or earlier. They and, and and the highest reported conditions include that, you know, depression like I talked about and anxiety disorders. Um and then here's the other like and we're not even talking about the church yet. Here's the other side of that. So you see that a quarter have uh, a mental illness, a mental disorder, and almost a half will develop one. And the highest reported, uh, only 43.8% of adults with mental illness are seeking professional help. So less than half of people who have a mental disorder are seeking professional help. And actually, I'm kind of surprised the number's that high. Yeah. It, I wonder, is it because they they don't recognize that they have one? Yes, a lot Did of them do. Yeah. 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 There, there's there's, there's a, a few disorders that uh, they don't recognize it, or, uh, I mean, when you think about, like, uh, and I, I am no psychiatrist or anything like that, I, <laughs> but based on my understanding, like, for instance, with bipolar disorder, um, a lot of people don't, they don't, when they're off their meds, they feel like they're they're really like when the highs are high, they're mm-hmm. good and they're getting yeah. stuff done and they're everything's going great, and so they don't want to take the medication to that bring them to a balance to, to balance them right, um, and so you you find that sometimes as well. Um, so those are the CDC or yeah I think it was yeah CDC numbers uh, with mental disorder. So only forty three percent forty three point eight percent. Um, seek professional help. But consequently, here's a deal. In a recent study by the Barna Group, so they do tons, and we've quoted them before, and we will again. Like, they do tons of research um, on issues with the church, with Christianity, you know, in the world. And they found that non-Christians are twice as likely to seek counseling and professional help for mental illness. Now, that's a problem. That is a problem. 
Non-Christians are twice as likely. Now, some might listen to this and go, well, maybe the, the Christians are seeking, you know, spiritual counsel, and so they don't need the mental health professional's input. Would you consider, like, a pastor a professional? No, no, no. Okay. I'm. There are those that would say that they are Christian counselors. I mean, and like yeah. they've gone to school and they've yeah. done the. I. So people we're we're classifying professionals as people with mental like health professionals. Men, mental health professionals. Correct. Not, okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because um, I am not a mental health professional. No. Um And, um, you know, referring is is a is a powerful tool. Yes. Uh, in in what. Um, I do when I'm able to talk to people. So here's this. Uh, I mean, again, I just want to repeat it just because, okay, so according to the CDC, American adults over their lifetime, half of us will have a mental illness of some sort, uh, whether long-term, whether severe, whether not, but just, uh, the, it says half. Um, but only four, but, um, Non-Christians are twice as likely to get help for it. So what is that saying? So there's these Christians, believers, people right. who love Jesus, and yet dealing with a mental illness, a mental disorder, and they're not seeking help or they're not getting as much help as they could. Mm-hmm. And so there's this stigma that's associated with mental health issues, especially among people of faith. And much of this misconception regarding mental illness, and this is kind of where I want to go a little bit, it starts with ignorance. Yeah. It starts with just flat-out ignorance of what uh, mental disorders are, what it means to have, you know, mental health. And, uh, yeah, I think many of us grew up in towns and places where the, the nearest psychiatric hospital was the source of jokes. Oh, yeah. So um, if someone was acting differently, weird, bizarre, you know, crazy, whatever you want to call it, um, you would you would use the nearest place. So like in where I grew up in, uh, there's a psychiatric hospital, uh, I believe there still is, in Norman, Oklahoma. And um, <laughs> so if someone acted strangely or whatever, you'd be like, hey, well, you better watch out. We're going to send you to Norman, you know. Um, the route that I take to drive, uh, Mallory to school, we pass by Greenleaf often. And I noticed a couple weeks ago, she said something about Greenleaf. Really? She goes, yeah, my school's right next to Greenleaf. <laughs> and so I just very calmly was like, well, you know, Mallory, I've, I've known some people that have gone there and they, they got help. They, yeah. they needed help and they were you know, they were sick and they needed help and they got the help that they needed and, and it kept them safe even for, you know, a few days cause they just, you know, they, they were, in, they were in a really dark place and they needed help. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, we probably, we don't need to make a joke about it, you know? And then, you know, she was like, okay. She's but like, like did, so did y'all have something like that in your, like where people make the jokes about? Yeah. I want to, I want to. I want to say that they ship people to Greenleaf. Yeah. Here, from Douglas. Yeah. Well, I just know that that's... Because Greenleaf has always been, like, in the vernacular. Right. 
And I don't know if it's because of that or there is another or there, there is are, one in Douglas. Yeah, there's others. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, that's that um, ignorance and that, I mean, the stigma that starts with childhood, like, you know, don't act weird or they're going to lock you up or whatever that well, is. Well, so. I mean, you like history shows like if you, like how the, the mental health facilities way back when, oh the goodness. asylums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. To me, that it, it's a scary thought to admit a mental health issue because of the back history. Like I, I'm sure Greenleaf helps a lot of people, but I really don't know much about it. Right. You know. Right. Maybe they still do like electric shock therapy, which they don't. But I mean, like that's where the mm-hmm. ignorance in my brain is. I don't really know how that plays helps yeah. with mental health. You you make a good point though. I think because of what um, how mental uh, illness disorders were dealt with. I mean, in years and years ago, but, but I that mean, stigma and that history, but yeah. It, yeah, it continues. And so there's, is there a fear of, you know, telling your, for me, yes. your general practitioner that, Hey, I'm, I'm having these thoughts and I'm having a difficult time, you know, rolling out of bed and I'm, you know, like, are you going to lock me up? Like, is you going to admit, yeah, <laughs> admit um, me? Like, you know, and I mean, you can go as as um, you can reference movies. Uh, one of the yeah, ones that movies haven't helped. One of the ones that really um, uh, sticks out in my brain right now is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. They, uh, you know, his dad, her mm-hmm. dad comes back from the castle to tell everybody about the the um, beast, and it has Belle. And they're gonna lock up crazy old, old Maurice and the the guy. I want to say it was like uh, the asylum paddy wagon comes and like throws him in, and it's like you'll never yeah. see him. Like these, they they send people yeah. with mental 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 illness away that they never have to be a bother again. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were definitely a, a like a lower class. Like you, we just we're gonna put you out of sight. Yeah, out of sight. Out of mind. And for me, seeing these kind of examples, it tear like until adulthood, and I, I actually took a psychology class or a sociology class, whichever one. Uh, <laughs> I know they're two different one things. Of those two, I don't know. But I didn't realize how prevalent it was and how. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say I don't want to belittle it, but how normal it is. Normal it is now. Normal at. To have issues. Common. Yes. Common. It yeah, is. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it, it's much more prevalent. And I do think we are definitely in a an age and a time when uh, people are more willing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I never thought of it as a, like, uh, pastoral responsibility. But I do recall a couple of years ago, uh, I was, we were doing a message series, and I thought, you know, it, it would probably be good if I shared, you know, a little bit of my experience with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the first time I did that. And it wasn't like a secret I was hiding, but it just wasn't, you know, I mean, my closest friends and people that I knew uh, would know that. But the 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 repercussions of that were actually really good because I heard from so many people that were like, thank you for talking about that. Right. And I've talked about it a few times since then. So now I kind of, I don't, 
you know, I'm not going to shout it from the rooftops every time I have the opportunity, but when the opportunity presents itself, I'm not ashamed to share right. my, uh, where I am and, and where my mental health is. Um, because I think if, if that can help destigmatize or remove that taboo that mm-hmm. a lot of people feel, um, then I want to do my part to help with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like maybe from, I, I'm interested to hear from a male perspective, uh, Josh, and you might have experience, you might not, I don't know, but like, is it easier as a woman to be like, okay, yeah, I have anxiety or whatever. Like I, I don't hear from men as much, but I'm also not in those kinds of conversations with men as much. Yeah. So is that, do you have any insight there? I mean, uh, you know, when, from my experience, you know, you get told to man up and deal with it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's probably Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is like, so what? Get over it. Rub some dirt in it. Yeah. Rub some dirt in it and move on. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest thing is it's never, it's not that it's not acknowledged. It's like, all right, you've acknowledged it. It's Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. When that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, that's the big thing about, uh, my experience from a, I guess a man's point of view, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you, you have this, so what? That <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change your responsibilities. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, get over it. Yeah. So I, what I hear. Put what it I, in a box. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, it's almost like, um, the world doesn't stop spinning just because as a man, you have these struggles. So number one priority is you still have to meet your obligations, mm-hmm. not get, uh, find some healing or health. You don't have time to work on yourself. You got other, <laughs> you got other things to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, yeah, I could see, I could see that for a lot, a, a lot of people and, and not even just men, but I could, I definitely see what you're saying there. You know, I had this in my notes and, but, and, and it's, but it's true for today because my notes say generations past used drugs and alcohol and just silence to deal, deal with mental illness. Yeah. But I think that's still true today. Yes. But I think, um, when you do look in the past and, you know, kind of what you hear from people and when they talk about their dad or their grandfather or whatever, um, you hear about there was a lot of substance abuse and it, it, I'm sure that it was a, a coping mechanism for, uh, mental, mental illness or mental disorders in many, many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that mom was a, you know, alcoholic because mom had anxiety. So she would drink, you know, she would sip sherry all day or whatever. And then, you know, and to just to keep, off. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you hear that a lot. Here's what the American Psychiatric Association, uh, what they say, they say that mental illnesses, and I think this is important to note because we tend to separate these. And I know for years, even in the medical field, they were separated. But mm-hmm. the American Psychiatric Association says that mental illnesses are health conditions. So they're not just like otherworldly in your mind thing. They are a health condition right. involving changes in emotion, thinking, or behavior, or a combination of these. And it goes on to say that mental illnesses are associated with distress 
and or problems functioning in social work or family activities. Okay. So I think that's important to note that it's a health condition. And, right. and I don't think I, I, people are going, of course, but that wasn't always the, the, um, the understanding of no. it. So it was, oh, no, you're hysterical. Let's go lock you up. You know, let's go put you in the sanatorium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, there are some crazy stories about women and how they were dealt with um, sent away, you know, because of hysteria mm-hmm. um, and other things. I, I'll have a, a something to share in a little bit. So while the most common mental disorder is anxiety and depression or depression related. The spectrum really is very wide and it does include like addictive personalities. That is a mental illness, eating disorders, uh, schizophrenia. We talked about bipolar mood disorder and, and there are others, but so there is a spectrum of, of, of mental disorders that are, that are there that a lot of people deal with. And, and here's the thing, one in four people say they would never see a counselor. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to see anybody. And so the stigma suggests that mental health is something we are not supposed to talk about. You don't talk about that. If you go see someone, you, you, know, you go through the back door. I mean, like it's, I remember uh, when I was working, uh, at uh downtown and this was year this was 20 years ago or so and uh at the time the staff we had was huge and we had a um a pastoral counselor on staff yeah and um the where his office was located it was kind of further down um and there was like a side door like it uh I mean, it was a, it opened to the street, but it wasn't like a main door. You had someone couldn't open it. It was near the chapel area, and he would have. He didn't tell people this, but he had a couple of uh, clients, patients that would um, take little bits of uh, the mulch or whatever was in the garden, and would throw it at the window, so that he would come and open that side door. So, so that they wouldn't the... have to go through the main door and be buzzed in by all the people in the main office and everyone. Because he had, I mean, there was a, I don't want someone to know that I'm going to yeah. talk to someone about this. You know, I just think of that, that, and I'm not like, I'm not putting anything on that guy or, you know, like, it's just like, that's, to me, that was a perfect example of someone who's like, I don't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to know. Yeah. Um, so for as for counseling specifically being willing to go to counseling means being willing to admit there's a problem and that's where like you said i think a lot of people are it's like they don't even want to they don't want to deal because when we admit there's a problem then we we have to bring that out into the open and then we have to have do to, something you about it you have to it. stop and deal with it right right mm-hmm. um and so and we're talking about things that people often are afraid to deal with because there, there's, there's, there's pain involved. There's often shame involved. There's shame associated with this stuff that takes people and it just removes them from their comfort zone. And, you know, oh, the church, Josh, has not done a great job of, <laughs> of leading the discussion about mental health. No, nope. We have not. Um, and the church has not done a great job of pointing people to mental health professionals. Um, 
And when I say the church, I'm talking about the capital C church. Um, I, I would hope, I, I don't know. I, 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 I like to refer people, but, but as a result of that, it's easy to think that if someone's struggling, that their needs will simply be met by, all right, well, we're just, you know, it, they'll just be met by the people of the church. You know, we'll just pray to God and we'll, you know, we're going to pray for you. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. Let me pray for you. And and that's not a bad thing. Please right. don't, nobody hear me say that that's not okay. But I've heard mental illness compared to a broken arm. I don't remember who said this or whatever. I've heard it a couple of times. If your friend breaks their arm, Josh, it is totally fine for you to pray with them. Yep. But your friend would probably like you to pray for them while you are taking them to the hospital or the doctor to get their broken arm fixed. Yes. Um, mental health should be approached in the same way when something breaks. But I will even say to the to point expert. that the big C church has messed up so much that there are some people that would say that that would be enough for a broken arm. <laughs> to pray? Yeah. Yeah. So so to say, like, I know we have a problem with the big C church has a problem with mm-hmm. uh, trusting gifts that God has given other people. Yeah. I will, one of my, you know, consistent prayers when I pray for people who are, you know, going to have surgery or an illness or you know, a really bad diagnosis is, God, thank you for doctors. Thank you for uh, the knowledge that uh, that we have and, you know, that the medical profession has to be able to know what the problem is, yes. to be able to diagnose it, to be able to now have a plan to deal with it mm-hmm. instead of, we don't know why you're sick, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. So I, I I do hear what you're saying, and yes, there are some that would say that, and God is fully capable of doing it. Yes. Um, so I'm not denying the power of God. But um, he, do- he does it through these people. He heals He heals in, 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 many, in ways, many ways. In many ways. Um, so, so one of the missions of the church then is, okay, if we want to help people grow, our journey towards you know, this growth, this spiritual maturity that we desire for people. And we talk all the time about being on a faith journey, right? Like it's not just a journey. It's a journey towards maturity. It's a journey towards, towards healing and wholeness in our lives. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what we want to be going towards. And that means we, that requires, like we need to give permission to everyone to be able to be honest uh, and to hold uh, what people say and how, you know, on, on that journey and to be able to hold it and, and uh, take it seriously and walk alongside of people. And we need to be in a place where we feel safe to confess, you know, our mess that we yeah. can, are in sometimes. And, um, you know, there's actually evidence that shows that when we are in a state of confession, <laughs> that our stress level drops, um, which I think is just interesting. And I, some people think, oh, no, in confession, I'm stressed out. I think you have to have all, you know, the right circumstances. Like, I don't yeah. think that means you get up on a microphone and confess to a congregation of people. That means, you know, in a trusted conversation with someone that, you know, mm-hmm. loves you and supports you and you share. And it's like, it, it brings that down. So it's take, it's, it's literally taking some of the weight that you're carrying yeah, off of you. Yeah. And sometimes we think confession means, um, only means like, this is what I've done wrong. Sometimes confession is, I've been holding the secret of what was done to me. Yeah. And I need to release that, you mm-hmm. know, like I need to confess this. And and so it's not just a, you know, air your... Well, confession is, just, your sins. is just showing what you've been holding 
from other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, like it's it's yeah. what you're keeping behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Right. Good, right. bad, the other. Right. Here, I wanted to th- I wanted to offer a couple of scriptures that I think help shine light on mental illness. Um, Romans eight five through eight it says this: Set your mind. I'm just going to read the first part. Set your minds on things of the spirit. Set your mind. Set your mind. Um, to me, when I read that, it it shows this opportunity to see that our minds are not always set on the spirit. Our minds are not always in tune with the Spirit of God. Our minds are not always directed at, well, this is this is holy, this is good, this is God, and that's where my mind is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if it's if Paul's writing, no, set your minds on it, then what that tells me is that my mind can be focused on circumstances or self, on other people, on all the stuff, and so. It, it comes up a couple of times about the difficulty in controlling our minds. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been written about. Yep. Like the whole thing about controlling, you know, uh, letting letting your mind be focused on things of God. That that self control is not always. It's not all, the only force at work sometimes in in mental health. It's not just hey, you just try harder. If you would just get your mindset right on God, then you wouldn't have anxiety, Shannon. If you would just set your mind on God. Now, are there times when I spend time in wor- in the Word and in prayer and things like that? And it makes a difference for sure. Right. Personal experience. Um, but that's not always the case. Right. But I know that that is part of mm-hmm. my mental health is, is God's word. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, for your journey, is that kind of uh-huh. where you start to see if if that is something that you need to address first or, uh, or do you want to go there? Oh, I don't mind going there at all. Um you know, I um, in 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 the last probably five or six years, um, I had my first what I realized was panic attack um, almost four years ago, almost four years exactly, like four years in a week, and um, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was dying. Wow. It was the strangest thing. And when asked what my trigger was, I could not tell you. And I, I mean, not that I didn't want to tell, I could not put a finger on it at all. Right. So when it comes to something like a panic attack, I can't put rhyme or reason to it. Um, and usually I ask for prayer because I've, and I haven't had a lot of panic attacks. I've only had a, a couple. Um, I've been kind of on the verge a few times. Yeah. One of the first things I do is I ask I have some trusted friends, and mm-hmm. I say, please pray. Please pray. Uh, pray for me right now. Um, and they do. And so, and, and there's comfort in knowing that. Um, and then, uh, so, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, there's no exact formula. Yeah. Um, now, there are times when I feel anxious, mm-hmm. and I could see how I could ride that, that anxiousness to, to, um, not a good place. Right. Um, and in those moments, which I would say are totally different than like an anxiety attack type deal, um, that's most definitely when God's word, prayer, um, you know, removing myself from a situation, make, uh, they change the whole outcome. Gotcha. Okay. And kind of remove me from that anxiousness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. 
so for Paul to say, set your mind on things, it is a reminder that our minds are not automatically always on God. And so to me, it kind of diffuses that, um, well, Hey, just try harder, you know, like, Hey, just, just think good thoughts. Um, that's, it's not always that simple. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 23rd Psalm, you know, talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that darkest valley. And I think, um, and there are other, there are other occasions in scripture where it talks about the depths or the, you know, the darkness or the deep places. And I just, to me, that is naming depression. That is naming, um, a feeling of total, complete hopelessness mm-hmm. of an utter, uh, lack of, of, of being able to handle a situation, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I, when I see those things, it's, I think it should remind people that, um, one, because when you read those things, it talks, it's, it's a calling out to God to meet them in those places. And it's sometimes when you read them in those places in scripture, it's a thank you, God, you're with me in these places, you know, mm-hmm. yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, you know? So yeah, there's, there are dark places. There are low places. Um, but God is with us in those places. Right. Um, so to me, that's a twofold. It's not like, I think it's just, you see even from the scripture writers, you see from David, uh, mm-hmm. most likely, um, right. who yeah. had a lot of reasons to deal with anx- anx- anxiety and maybe depression. Yeah, just um, a few things. I mean, he was being pursued. He was, you know, Saul wanted to kill him. I mean, he had some, he had a lot of stuff go on. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of issues later on. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But you see that darkness is there, but God is there in the darkness. Um there is this account in in the Gospels of Mark and in Luke, uh, the story of the the demon possessed guy, and I just want to mention that because there are most definitely some who would say that mental illness is is demon possession. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna mention that, but I didn't know if we wanted to go there. Yeah, um, I mean, and and okay, again, I I am not. I, I'm not a. Uh, I haven't done any kind of in-depth study in regard to this whatsoever. Um, we have an enemy. The enemy has, uh, uh, if you want to say, uh, an army, <laughs> forces, demons that would want to trip us up and cause us to, to uh, you know, not live in the spirit. Um. And I could see how most definitely, and I mean, you can read accounts of people who say they have seen uh, supernatural moments where, you know, they've prayed over someone and and their whole countenance, their whole character changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a personal experience of, of something very similar to that. So I am not taking uh, the the possession of our enemy, the demon possession or oppression that can happen because yeah. w- the, the spiritual world is real. Mm-hmm. Spiritual that realm, warfare, very that real. Spiritual warfare is very real. I'm not taking that off the table or discounting that, but to throw in every single uh, mental disorder or mental illness into the category of demon possession is wrong and it is dangerous to do so. Yeah. Because... 
it could destroy somebody and their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so, uh, now I, I will say not necessarily demon possession, but I will say like the enemy can like chip away at like those mental illnesses or, and just mm-hmm. make that gap yeah, even larger. Yeah. Yeah, you, you leave know. that you leave that door open. Yeah, you leave. Yeah, yeah, you for know, sure. There, there are studies about mental illness of some of them being like chemical, chemical imbalance. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and then some of them are not, and it's straight mental. And but I, I feel like the ones that are mental that when the enemy gets in there and he mm-hmm. and he really can dig his teeth into it and kind of exacerbate it in us, uh-huh. you know, that's what I feel like the spiritual warfare and mental illnesses is allowing him to get in there and just overwhelm you with it as opposed to um, a straight demon possession. (laughs) Yeah. Which again, neither of us are like, we, we, we are not like, that's my opinion. We don't have a master's degree in, in, in demon possession. I don't have a master's degree in nothing. And I would, I, I mean, and again, we don't have a bunch of this stuff in front of us, but like, I would almost push back a little bit, Josh, on, what you just said, and I would need to look into this to go deeper than this, is um, I would love to hear from our listeners on this. Too bad this is not a live show. But, like, is is a chemical imbalance, is chemically, and, and by chemical imbalance, I mean, I think you just talking about your system, your yeah, body, yeah, yeah. your body. Isn't it connected to every mental illness, or is it not? I don't know. Yeah, and that's something to... For us to maybe check out, I don't know, um, but even so, okay. So let's 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 remove mental illness from the from the point you just made, okay? And let's just talk about, let's not call it mental illness, and let's talk about um, you've got a really short fuse and you are quick to be angry, right? Well, if you have an enemy, which you do, mm-hmm. um, and you open up that door by not praying through that, asking God to help you with that by surrendering that anger, recognizing that you have it, you know, being held accountable to it. If you don't, if you don't check that, then what's going to happen is, is the enemy will most definitely chip away at that anger and use that as like an open door to, you know, let things fly. And so you, so you basically what we did just there is we just removed mental illness from that example and put in anger and go, Oh yeah, that makes sense. So can't we do the same thing with mental illness and go, okay, so you have a propensity for depression. Um, leave that unchecked, leave that uncovered. Don't, you know, don't, uh, have prayer support. Don't have, don't have counseling. Don't have medication Do all that. Leave it open. Is the enemy going to take advantage of that? Most definitely. Well, what do you, uh, Wikipedia says, Wikipedia says all mental illnesses, derived from a chemical imbalance. So take that as Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what I meant was that if that's your easiest door for them to get into and to capitalize mm-hmm. on. Okay, yeah. Yep. That, because you have usually, like, because one-third or half of all adults will develop one mm-hmm. mental health issue, yep. and only 43% of those people will get professional help for it, it's usually a pretty easy door for the enemy that to is use. A, that's like the grocery... That's the automatic doors that just open yeah, up when exactly. you barely walk and, by. And, and that's what I was getting at. It was not, I wasn't saying like, is the, like if... You either if, have a chemical imbalance or you're just... No, no, no. 
yeah, yeah. That, that's not that's not that's not what I was getting at. Okay, gotcha, it, gotcha. It, uh, because a chemical like some things are different, mm-hmm. but it, but if if the enemy can use it as an easy door to access, yeah, he's gonna use he's it. He's gonna use it, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah. You know what I love about the Mark and the Luke. Um, uh, examples of that demon possession is that when Jesus heals the person, what he commands that person to do is to go home to their friends. Um, and that's where, you know, the community of faith, the friendships, the relationships um, are really, really important um, to help people who struggle with, with, uh, with mental, with that have mental health challenges. Um I just mentioned this with Psalm 23, but in Psalm 40, it's just another example where it says, he drew me up from the desolate pit, from the dark pit, from the darkness, from the, from the, the muddy pit. And, and it just, again, it explains this way that a lot of people feel in their, they, they describe their symptoms. Um, and, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, it's right there in scripture. So when, when, when someone who's dealing with depression says, I'm just in this, I'm just, I feel like I'm in this dark, dark valley and I don't see the light. I don't see the way out. You know, you can go to the scriptures and see how people have felt that way, Mm -hmm. you know, through time. And so God is with us in those places. He is with us in the depths, in the dark places. There's no place that he can go. There's no place we can go and get away from him. Right. Right. So he's there with us. Um, uh, Here's what I wanted to take a few minutes to do and, and kind of dispel some some myths about mental illness. Okay, I think would be good um, for a lot of us. I think you'd be like, oh, I kind of I already knew this, but I think it's good to address them anyway. First and foremost, believe it. I mean, I don't. I say believe it or not. I think we can both agree that that some believe this. Some would say that mental illness doesn't even exist. It's not real. Um, and I some people with mental illness would say, this is, I don't have a mental illness. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and so while this stance isn't present in the church, uh, I think it's, it's widespread enough that a lot of Christians that are dealing with depression and anxiety or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or many other disorders, um, they could probably tell you a time when, when they tried to share their experience with someone from within the church, right? Or a mm-hmm. pastor. And the pastor or whomever said, oh, this isn't mental illness. This is just a spiritual issue. Yeah. This is just spiritual. Um, the problem with that is that, but they're, they're experiencing physical symptoms. Yes. Um, and so, yes, it could be a spiritual matter, but it is, it is affecting them in their, in their whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and again, like mental illnesses, they are so complex and, and, and they are a mixture of, of what's going on situationally, what's going on in your, it, the environment that you're in biologically, like mm-hmm. genetically, what are, what are you predisposed to? Like all these things and the chemical factors that we talked about, yeah, yeah. all those are mixed in. And so the fact is that mental illness is real. It does have a measurable impact on, on like our brain's ability to function, and uh, it and it could most definitely affect or impact someone's faith journey, um, 
if if it's if its root is biological, and so it could it could really hurt someone to say what you're dealing with is just spiritual. You right. just need to pray it away. Yeah, and and I I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Uh, you know, I would put myself in not in the doesn't exist camp, but I would put myself in a camp that uh, would would be in this to an extent of illness, mental illness doesn't exist, but men, I don't understand mental illness to mm-hmm. to actually uh, verbalize it, identify it, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in my brain, it never goes there. Yeah. So like I treat it as it almost doesn't exist until someone goes, oh, this, yeah. I'm, I have this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... It's it's not like I don't think it exists, but I never mm-hmm. go there, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So my ignorance on the knowledge of it mm-hmm. is almost at that it doesn't exist. Right. And the way I treat people is almost at that mm-hmm. it doesn't exist because of your experience with yeah. it. Yeah. Be- well, and I would say like I can, I don't think I'm spilling any beans here, but like there's been there's been you know I mean our jobs are. Uh, at times are very stressful. Yes. Um, they come with a lot of uh, yeah emotional. I mean. You know, when uh, there's just a lot to it. And, and I would say that's for a lot of people's jobs. Yeah. But um, and I know that there's been like uh, talking about mental health is is fairly normal among our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know two of us are very outspoken about like, you know, what we're dealing with and things like that. And I've seen in you over the last couple of years a uh, for you to be able to say, you know what, I think I'm. I feel like I'm dealing with some anxiety right now. Yeah. Where you probably wouldn't have said that years ago. No, I just say I'm just stressed out. Stressed out, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and there's this whole other side conversation, which I do not, I mean, we can't go into right now. But I would guess if I were listening to this podcast, I would think have we overemphasized mental illness and mental disorders so much? that when someone just gets a little bit stressed out, that suddenly they're having an anxiety attack. Or when someone gets a little bit, um, you know, the, the breakup or the job loss happened and they're down in the dumps that we've just, no, no, now they're, they've got a major dis- depressive disorder. Like, I think that's where some people might go. Yeah. And like, like the culture we live in is really quick to want to, to wanna throw a, a diagnosis on it, and then throw some medication at it. Yeah, and, and, and I think that goes to that ignorance part. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. not actually understanding because a you've never dealt with it, or mm-hmm. b you you've dealt with it and you don't realize that you're dealing with it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then once once you've um, like, I deal with seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that I like know, when football's over. No, it's actually season? during football season. Is it I right was, after usually the Alabama Auburn game? No, and then you kind of go no, down into no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> But it's it's when it's actually when the seasons yeah. change and it gets cooler, yeah, I, I and go, darker yeah, earlier. Yeah, I go through like a very mm-hmm. about three month time where I feel very alone. Oh yeah. Um, but up until someone actually told me that that hey, it's a thing, this is a thing, and you might be dealing with it. I'm like, oh okay, that's why all my second uh, nine weeks grades were the lowest of the year. That's mm. why my productivity is usually the lowest of the year is during the second nine weeks of the school year, which, for lack of a better term, is like <laughs> October through December. Yeah. Uh, huh. That's it. Yeah. That, yeah. But, so, like, once you had a knowledge or understanding, it's like, oh, okay. But who, up until that point, 
you know, it was like, oh, you need to do this, this, and this, so you can get over the physical symptoms, but not actually address, understand, not understand or address the actual issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like we try to, we try to fix. It's kind of like they do for like flu and cold. Is let's fix the symptoms because mm-hmm. we don't know how to fix what's actually, yeah, causing it. Yeah. Because we don't know what is actually causing it. Yeah. And that, yeah. and that's where I feel like most people are on mental health. Yeah. They're like, ah. Eh. Let's try to fix a symptom. You know, they seem unhappy. Let's go try to figure out a way to cheer them up. Yeah. But that didn't work. They just want to be miserable. Let's try. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just take your vitamin C. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Um, here's another myth about mental illness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, is that depression, specifically, is a sign of sin or weak faith. That So if you have depression, it is because there is a sin in your life and you have not dealt with it. Um and so now, before I go into something, you could have a serious sin in your life and not address it, and that's going to make that's going to cause. I mean, it could cause any number of things to happen in your life. But to say that sin or a weak faith is the only cause of depression is is what I'm talking about. It could be a cause, right? So uh, among the most common beliefs held by Christians. And I'm not talking like middle or dark ages here. I'm talking even today. Um, And I would say this is probably the most damaging, is that mental illnesses like depression are a sign that the individual just has this unconfessed sin or just this really just no faith. Like they are just not trusting God to bring them up out of the depths of whatever they're in. Um. Ancient Greeks did attribute depression to demons and imbalances in the body, which I think is interesting because they yeah. were kind of they kind of were onto something there yeah. with the imbalances yeah. in the body. Um, in the Dark Ages, uh, Saint Augustine not not the place in Florida, but like what's named after him, <laughs> uh, a theologian he he wrote extensively that it was a punishment from God uh, to have depression. And it can only be cured through atoning for sins, which often meant, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Paying steep fines or corporal punishment. Oh, because that Please, helps. sir, may I have... Yeah. So it was like, what do you... Pay a fine? For feeling... I feel better now. <laughs> Here's $25. A I feel great. Depression tax. Yeah, just, I don't know. That just digs the hole worse, I would yeah, feel like. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, this, um, in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, there was this term called trepanation, trepanation, and its use was, um, it, it, they used it to treat mental illness and epilepsy, um, and they pretty much kind of threw these all under the same umbrella of madness, and it was believed that if they used this trepanation, which, what it was, was they would remove part of your skull, part of the bone from your skull to allow the evil to escape from your mind. Um, yeah. That seems like solid science. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, I was reading about it, and actually there are some new age people that still believe that today in 2021. So there you get with that. Uh, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, are they, yeah. are they kidding? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe they, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I was just reading it like an hour ago. If, you, so. if you're listening to this podcast and you believe that, turn it off. 
<laughs> no, please, please come to church this Sunday. We'd like to talk to you. Uh, in the 17th and 18th centuries, uh, a lot of people believed. I mean, it was the it was the major uh, kind of consensus that depression could be fixed just by applying logic and reason to faulty thinking. So if you did go and speak to someone, it would be like, well, I feel like, you know, um, I'm hearing voices. Well, you're not. So that, that the truth is you're not. So, you know, address that, you know, move on. So if anytime you hear something, then just tell yourself you're not hearing it. Like it was just, you know, this kind of... They do this today. They still do this today. Yeah, logic like, and reason. Yeah, this is the... This is the main one that I feel like is the band-aid. Honestly, I think a lot of Christians would land in the logic. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I've had instances where, uh, because of the role that I am in as pastor, where I've talked to people who are dealing with uh, uh, multiple personalities and or you know schizophrenia. Yeah. And it is a... I, I, I could not... I say I could not... Um, I'm not equipped to work in the mental health field in that regard because I would find that I would try to use logic. Um, mm. And uh, I had an experience where I was meeting with someone and they did not want cell phones in the room uh, because they really, really felt like they emitted stuff that was going to hurt us. And um, and I wanted to just totally be logical and be like, no, you can't, no, and and it, like you can't. There was no. the, the the reasoning was not there. I mean, because it's an illness, you know. To me, that's almost like trying to apply logic or reasoning to cancer, or like we talked about earlier, a broken bone. You're not broken bone. No, no, no. You're not broken. No, no. You'll you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You're not broken. Like. You can't just apply logic and reason to some of these things. Um, so, ob- you know, today's mental health professionals have obviously a much greater understanding of illnesses, but theories that connect disorders like depression and anxiety with sin or maybe a lack of self-discipline are still very prevalent, Josh. Of, of this framework that many base their beliefs on regarding mental illness. They're like, I think maybe if you just tried harder, you would be okay. You know, if you just, if you just got, if you went outside and got some sunshine, you yeah. know, you wouldn't be down in the dumps, you know, or whatever. And so, um, Hippocrates, uh, <laughs> which is, listen to this. All right, you know, the Hippocratic Oath? Yes. All right. So, His theory on mental illness in women, it inspired centuries of medical, what it's called medical misogyny. I mean, like where they just totally treated women like in a horrible way that I I don't know if men just like drank away their issues. And so they didn't see this, but all right. So the ancient Greek healer, he attributed female psychiatric symptoms to, like I mentioned this earlier, just hysteria, just under one term, hysteria. Mm -hmm. So if you were anxious, hysteria. If you were depressed, hysteria. If you you had a bipolar disorder, which they didn't even know what that was, everything was hysteria. And the reason it was called hysteria, because have you ever heard of the term hysterectomy? Yes. Okay. Well, the reason it was called hysteria was because they felt like it was a, it was a wandering of the womb throughout the body. That's where the term hysteria comes from. Okay. And so it, the womb was wandering through the body, and that's why they were acting this way. 
Um, one cure involved exposure to foul-smelling substances intended to repel the uterus from the upper regions of the body and put it back where it goes. Plato... So these are like these are like people really? who are yeah, yeah propose that patients simply get married and become pregnant because gestation he believed ensured proper uterine positioning. So there you go. So Whoa. hysteria. Um, so don't call anyone you're being hysterical. Yeah no yeah right. Listen, I'll tell you something. I did one time. It was dumb. So I was in Romania. I was doing missions. I was there. It's, uh, obviously, I, it, they speak Romanian, and. Um, I was joking. I lived in this like home with uh, the teenagers, so I mean, you you got to learn you got to learn the language pretty quick. And and I made a comment because someone was being silly, or whatever. And I mean, totally without even thinking, not even thinking it was a deal. And I said that someone was putzin tralalala, which means just a little bit crazy. <laughs> putzin tralalala, and the girl I said it to just lost it, like got so upset. And it just was like a stupid thing on my part because this girl had been like grew up in orphanages. Her mom had mental health issues. Like in their culture, you do not call people crazy. Oh, you don't do it. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe, I mean, in that cult, in that particular context, especially, I don't know if just in general, like in the general vernacular, you don't say crazy, but I knew that like among, uh, the people that I was there ministering with and working with, like there was, I guess so much, there was a lot of mental disorders and a mental illness, right. which is what caused them all to go in orphanages to begin with. Um, you just didn't do that. And I was just like, Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> like I felt, I felt like a, I mean, this was like, you know, 22 years ago, and it's immediately brought to my brain whenever oh, you goodness. said that. So, because it's like, oh, I'm an idiot. Um, and, <laughs> oh, I have those moments oh, in my life. Oh, man. Someone will do something and uh, go, man, I was dumb. Oh, stupid. So, and then we've already touched on this, um, you know, with, uh, you know, even as, as Christianity became on, onto the scene, I mean, to like historically, um, yeah, a new prime suspect for hysterical symptoms was oh well they're you know they're possessed by a demon, um. So I guess I I do want to say like mental illness is not a sign of weak faith, any more than that broken bone or an autoimmune disorder or a virus is. It's not a sign of weak faith. Treating mental illness as a sin problem rather than a health problem may prevent. And I think it does a lot of Christians from seeking help or even acknowledging that it's there right. or that it's treatable, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's a huge uh, a barrier to a lot of people. So there's a little bit of the background historically of, of you know, sin and, and weak faith and, and just, and even just some crazy putzin tralalala ways in which to deal with, with mental disorders. So, yeah. Um, Here's a third thing I wanted to share uh, that, and we've kind of touched on these, so I'm just getting a little more specific, um, that you can just pray away a mental health issue. You just pray it away. Um, If you just pray enough, you pray hard enough, you pray correctly, um, you know, in some some cases it's pray to the right saint, you know, or light the right candle or, you know. Do you actually uh, pray to saints? No. 
No. I'm, me? No. Oh. That's <laughs> like, no, some people do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if they actually the Catholic the faith does. Yeah, yeah, some do. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't putting that on you. I was like, I was like no, I don't pray you to You brought saints. that up and I was like, do they actually pray to <laughs> saints? Yes, they do. Yes, some okay. do. Um, but it's like, oh, just just pray it away. And and like we, you and I have both said, like God may choose to divinely heal any physical or mental illness at any time in any way, but he also provides with us with doctors and scientists and mental health professionals and they have skills and understanding necessary to help people you know deal mm-hmm. with or manage yep their their condition you yep. know and and so that's you know, again just like a broken bone or cancer need to be treated with more than just prayer mental health disorders need profe- professional interventions as well and to to deny that is is not and are not we wise. saying not to pray? Nope. No. Definitely pray. Definitely pray. And what what um, my opinion would be would be pray for it and then ask what steps God wants you to take next. Yes. And let him reveal to you, should you go talk to your pastor? Should you go talk to a professional? Yeah. That's what you should be praying. And yeah. asking for help to, to help the situation and not expect everything to be... Uh, solved through through prayer because God heals us and and works with us in many different mm-hmm. avenues. Yes, for sure. But always pray. Always pray. That yeah yeah pray without ceasing. Yep. Uh, here's the fourth thing I want to mention, and I think this is important too that um that the Christian community that the church won't understand that someone could feel like okay the church. My community group, these Christians, they will not understand my mental health needs, and so I'm just not going to talk about it. Your pastor definitely does. <laughs> and so the thing is, and when we looked at the stats at the beginning, mental illnesses are, are very prevalent. So, I mean, if you've got one in four, if you've got, you know, if you've got an, a, a, initially or eventually, excuse me, 50% of the, almost 50% of the population will deal with something that are living with an anxiety disorder... I mean, so here's the deal. Right now, about 15 million adults have a social anxiety disorder. About 19 million adults have a phobia, some kind of phobia. And 7.7 million people right now are dealing with PTSD. Mm. Over 16 million people are living with a major depressive disorder. That's a lot of people. Yes, and when I said your pastor understands, that wasn't a dig at uh, you having a you dealing with anxiety or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's really like uh, Shannon, you know, since she goes through these things, she completely understands what you're going through. And that's pretty, it's pretty important, you know? And, you know, a lot of pastors or churches don't even have that kind of conversation. So the fact that um, Shannon is upfront with it is really important. So, uh, she, when I say she understands, she is someone that you can come talk to when you're going through this stuff. If you're dealing with an anxiety and depression, I will be glad to talk to you. And then I will be glad to refer you on to someone who could really help you if, if that's where you are. And if you're dealing with other mental health issues, I would, I will hear you and I will pray with you and I will, uh, you know, help you find the help that will help you, you know, get to a place of, of, um, of good, just functioning 
well in the world that you live in. Mm-hmm. So, And then our tagline of following Jesus for our community also means being here for you when you're going through these. For our mental our mental, uh, mental illness. Yep. Those in our community who deal with mental illness, for sure. And I feel like we'll get to this stuff later, but I, j- I didn't want people to think I was making a joke about Oh, it. yeah. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> Trust me, she knows. That, that, yeah. that was not my intent. Oh, yeah. But yeah, mental illness, it, it, they exist in every demographic, regardless of age or ethnicity or income or gender. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's there. And though though mental health issues are not talked about openly a lot, um, there are plenty of people in any given church who know exactly what a panic attack or manic or depressive episode or an obsession or compulsion feels like. I mean, it's there. I mean, there are plenty of people who know it, and some may not be comfortable talking about it. Um, some may be in a place of going, well, yeah, I've, I've walked that road before, and this is where I am now. I mean, but for us, to, we need to remove the stigma, Josh, and that's the reason we're talking about this today in this episode, and it's yeah. the reason we've talked about it before in messages. Is like, um, you know, we said we were going to talk briefly about uh, just update kind of where we are in our community groups. I think those that's a place where you can develop relationships and a safe place to start to maybe talk about some of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, let's, let's talk about uh, just recognizing the symptoms. Okay. Um, I, I, I took this from uh, resourceumc.org. Uh, it talked about just the consequences of untreated mental illness and um, how the initial symptoms can they can be relatively unnoticeable if you're not paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not yeah. looking for it, um, and though you know every each and every mental disorder will have a different characteristics, here's just some general symptoms that can that could indicate a person might need help. So this is something to look for. Um, if someone has excessive emotional responses, like that, just seem to be way more or less than mm-hmm. what you see, yeah. how you see other people responding. Um, you know, extreme worry, extreme sadness, or, you know, that very, very anger, uh, angry. Or if you see someone who's not responding in a way where it seems like everyone else is, you know, overwhelmed or upset or whatever. Um, extreme mood swings, those are things to be looking for. Um, obviously, if someone has confused thinking or just... <laughs> An inability to concentrate, like really, you know, yeah, yeah. not 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 just kind of your standard like, you know, squirrel, but like really, they just can't track. Um, Nothing soci- has their attention. Yeah, social withdrawal um, is a big one, and that's when we go. Well, goodness, that's I think that's me. <laughs> um, but you know, the inability to relate to other people. Um, to not be able to see that is is a sign of this could be a mental disorder that you know. It doesn't mean necessarily you get to call 911, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't mean that you have to point it out to the person, but if this is a loved one or someone that you are uh, a family member in relationship with, um, these are things to look at, and, and, and you know, how, how would you intervene? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, if someone has changes or difficulties in sleeping or eating, that's a sign. Difficulty perceiving reality. Like, so if someone's talking about delusions or hallucinations or in your paranoia, um, if someone has multiple physical ailments without a physical cause, that could be a sign, you uh, know, yeah, yeah. um, that, yeah. Um, and just the inability to do daily tasks. 
So these are those are the the basic um, signs, just indicators to to be looking for. Um, and obviously, the better you know someone, the more likely you are to recognize these symptoms. But it it helps to know what you're looking for. The National Alliance on Mental Illness uh, reports that one in five children, ages 13 to 18, have or will have a serious mental illness. One Ooh. in five. And approximately 50% of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin by the age of 14. Mm. Yeah. That just makes you as a parent go, oh, dear Lord, please help me me to help. Yeah, help me raise up and pour into and, and, you know, help my child. Or just be observant. Yeah, yeah. Be able to see. Yeah, for sure. So how how do we, what do we do, Josh, if we see someone who's dealing with this or someone who opens up about this? Um, yeah, because I feel like that's where uh, I struggle, at least. Yeah, like, is, what do you do? Yeah, like, uh, 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 mm. do I say nothing? Do, do I, I do nothing? Do I pretend it never... Do I pat them on their back? I mean, yeah. what, what, what do we do? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, people with mental illness often, they don't understand. Sometimes, like we've addressed, that they don't even know that they need help. Sometimes they don't want help. Um, and sometimes they do want help, but they don't. But then we're left with, what do you do? Um, not everyone who has a mental illness needs intervention, but some might. And if you believe in interventions necessary, here are the steps that are suggested by resource, uh, umc.org. Uh, one, address your concerns with the individual in a private, loving, non-judgmental way. All right. Um, that's one suggestion to provide practical information on where and how the person might obtain help. So just yelling at someone, Hey, you should get help. Doesn't really help. Mm-hmm. You know, they might need assistance going, Hey, here is a number. Can you call or let me call for you, you know, whatever, right. um, offer to go with them, uh, to an appointment or with a healthcare professional. Um, uh, if the person doesn't seem open to intervention, cautiously consider talking with a family member, a close friend or loved one about the situation. I've had to do that uh, a few times um, as a pastor and, and, and do that. And it's, you know, been a good, good result. Um, And then it says offers always remember that if you believe someone's in danger to themselves or a danger to someone else, then you call nine one one. So that, that's, that's the, uh, the extreme of, okay, if this person says that they're going to take their life or they're going to cause harm to others, you call 911 immediately. Mm-hmm. Of course, confidentiality and compassion are really important. Um, you know, I think that's part of removing the stigma is by, uh, you know, holding what people share with us um, very delicately. Um, yeah. Now, you also, I want to point this out. I know I've been in this place before. Um, I know in talking to others, they feel like they've been put in this place as well. When someone shares with them um, a lot of emotion and a lot of what they're dealing with and maybe even says things such as, you know, I I don't even know if I want to live anymore, those kind of comments, but then they'll follow it up with, don't say anything to anyone. You've got to tell somebody. Yes. You you do not be handcuffed by that. And Mm -hmm. and I've said this before, it's better for you to... Um, lose a friendship mm-hmm. than for that friend to lose their life yep. or to take their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you ever feel like you're in that position, 
If you're a younger person and you don't know how to deal with that, talk to a trusted adult, a trusted pastor, and say, this is the information I have. What do I do? Um, but do not be held hostage because the, the person dealing with the, the mental disorder, the, you know, the mental illness, they probably don't even realize they're holding you hostage in that way. Right. Um, so I don't think it's a like they're doing on purpose. Um, but you don't want to risk um, what the outcome could be. Mm-hmm. Um, over you just trying to maintain a good good uh, relationship. Yeah. That you weigh those two out, and the life of the other person is most important always, mm-hmm. always, always. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's just hard for us. I, you know, in the past, people have been ostracized and alienated and even abused when it comes to mental illness. Um, I do believe today it's understood better. <laughs> uh, there are definitely treatments. Um, but some of that contempt and cruelty of, of the past has been replaced in a lot of ways, Josh, by silence and indifference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where sometimes I feel like I've been complicit, even in my role as pastor, where I haven't um, followed through more with, with people who I know have, have dealt with things. And it's kind of like, well, you seem to be okay, so I'm just kind of roll with it. Like, that's, that's not okay, um, you know? And so in the Christian community, you know, the topic of mental health, of course it's sensitive. Some might even, you know, it it feels like it's a taboo subject, but we don't want it to be. Um, And so we just want to, we got to learn to navigate the balance of spiritual and professional help and walk and be prepared to walk alongside of people, you know, in in our, in our, in the mental health of, of us all. So, um, if you are someone who's questioning, you know, and and wanting help for your mental health, I, I would advise you to seek a professional counselor. Um, you can always talk to your general practitioner, and they will refer you. There is no doubt about that, um, because we are people who need uh, clinical at times and spiritual um, help. Mm-hmm. Um, and admitting you need help is not a sign of weakness at all. It's not wrong. It is not sinful. It is not an act, a, a lack of faith on your part. It's actually the first step in finding freedom. Yes. Um, so some advice to those of you who are not struggling with mental health issues, but you know someone who is, be present, listen. Don't, don't feel like you have to provide solutions or answers. Be intentional. You know, pursue someone even if you feel like they don't want you to. Yeah, that's and sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, okay, you don't want me to, well then I'm okay, and I, and I've got to push myself through that sometimes. Mm. Um, ask what they need or what would be helpful. Pray for them. We didn't like we didn't take that off the table, and consistently encourage professional counseling and help, yes. whether that starts with their doctor, you know, just general practitioner. Mm. Um, consistently do that because mm. this is something I say to people a lot. You're not the fixer, right? We have a fixer. His name's Jesus, mm-hmm. and then he's equipped people to do things and to help people, like doctors and therapists and psychiatrists and all these, mm-hmm. to help along the way. So, um, yeah, and, what were you gonna say? And if um, you mentioned it earlier that it, about um, if you want, there are Christian professionals in these fields that mm-hmm. understand your faith needs and what you're going through as your faith is yes. also your yep. mind mind and body what it's going through that's right yeah so um i if if you're christian i would seek 
a Christian professional. Yes. Uh, yep. Because they understand your faith journey mm-hmm. and how important that is to you. And, and still be clinical. And still be clinical. Right, right. Which ultimately I feel like that is a marrying of the clinical and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and they're able to help where um, your your church and your pastor can't fulfill those needs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we want to, the church, I think we have a task and it's to care for the whole person, body, mind, soul. And um, that means we got to recognize and care for a person with an illness, whether that's uh, physical or mental. And um, that's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. So I want to repeat something I said, Um, admitting that you might need some help is not a weakness um, or wrong or sinful or an act of faith. And uh, we are most definitely here with you as the church. We'll do our part to help you. And, uh, yeah, so today was a little bit different, different topic, but I think it's important for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that uh, was a question that came up a while back about, um, you know, mental uh, illness and uh, and faith and how they um, how they play out. Yeah, yeah. And if, if faith is enough to to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I think we've shown today that faith is always present mm-hmm. and um, we trust yep. God and he's equipped us with um, people to help us. So, yep. so um, anything else we want to touch on before we close out today's episode? Uh, do you want to get, uh, if you haven't listened already, go back and listen to week two of the eight traits. So you mm-hmm. can kind of know what's going on with that. We really don't have time to go into it this episode. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just kind of tell us what we got coming up on week Three of the eight traits. Week three of eight traits. Uh, this week we're gonna. This Sunday we're gonna be talking about uh, a trait of a disciple is someone who's generous. And uh, you might hear that word and go, "Gosh, you're gonna talk about money." Um, actually, we're not. We're gonna kind of take a thirty thousand foot view. You know, the airplane view of of generosity over the whole book of Acts. And we're gonna um, look at a lot of different verses in Acts where you see how they. The disciples lived a life of generosity. Yeah. Um, and so I think that'll be, it'll be, uh, it's not my standard uh, sermon format. If, you know, if you talk about like the notes that I send you, Josh, um, it, it, it's really kind of like point, scripture, point, scripture, point, scripture um, of just like boom, boom, boom. Here are the ways that the disciples are generous. Uh, our community groups are going well. Uh, this is the second week of them. And um, I'm hearing really good things and responses from people. And I'm super glad about that. Porch community, we're really glad you were a part of today's episode. Um, hey, stay healthy. Uh, do what you can to do your part to keep other people healthy. And uh, we look forward to seeing you and talking with you very, very soon. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.